Hello and welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thank you for joining us. Today marks the start of a five-part podcast series detailing the work of Trek Think Tank, which was a two-year effort from the public policy side of our organization to determine what DFW's long-term city planning needs should be. As you know, our region has enjoyed a great deal of growth and prosperity over the last decade, aside, of course, from the coronavirus pandemic. And if you listen to our speaker series event with Texas 2036 late last year, you'd know that the state's population is projected to grow by an additional 10 million people in the next 15-odd years. So our members took the initiative of thinking through what must be done to make sure that Dallas is prepared not just for that growth, but for growth up to 50 years in the future. Trek Think Tank is the brainchild of Scott Rorman of 42 Real Estate, who hosted these five podcast conversations with members of our subcommittees on mobility, governance, community and culture, technology, and housing, all prescient topics for our immediate future that are all the more fascinating when considering them on an even broader timeline for our city. In today's talk of mobility, Scott is joined by Ryan Koch of Pachico and & Koch and Huntley Lewis of the NRP Group. They talk about mobility in a variety of ways, not solely about physically getting from point A to point B, expanding our transit systems, and the improvements to our infrastructure that would make Dallas a more walkable city, but also how the nature of mobility has changed in a largely digital post-COVID world. Before we get started, I'd like to give a quick reminder to subscribe to the show. Please subscribe to the show to get the latest episodes right to your mobile device. TrackCast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you download podcasts. Also, please give Trek a follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Check us out on social media so you never miss an update from around the organization. We've also linked to all of our handles in the show notes for this episode. Now, here's our Trek Think Tank conversation on mobility, right here on TrekCast. Welcome to the mobility podcast for Trek's Think Tank. Thank you all for being here. Huntley, Ryan. Thanks for having us. Good yeah. to be here. Yeah. So, um, how many people were in the um, mobility subcommittee? We had six people in our group. Six. And did everybody um, agree on everything? No. 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 <laughs> Just no. as in, I mean, everything in life, we came at this problem from a bunch of different angles and worldviews. And I think that's part of the challenge of the think tank group in general is everybody has different visions for what our city is and can be. Uh, and we need to find ways to try to maximize the commonalities that we have. I think that's great. Yeah, I, I think it's great that this particular effort is a microcosm of the city at large. There's competing and differing viewpoints on things. Huntley, did you feel the same way about it? I did. And, you know, another challenge is just the concept of mobility is so broad that, you know, one person's care about traffic you know, in their car or on a train is different than another person's, you know, desire to walk to work or, you know, and those sometimes compete, but 
oftentimes are in completely different parts of the city and are completely different experiences. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So did y'all define mobility? We didn't ever actually define mobility yeah. as a item. But you talked when we, Huntley was kind of given some definitions right then. So you talked through those things. Yeah, we, we had a lot of conceptual discussions yeah. on where does this start and stop? Uh, and we often found ourselves wandering into different areas uh, that are maybe, you know, crossing with the technology group or uh, with the community and culture group or things like that. So based on that, would it be right for me to say mobility actually is a foundational aspect of living in a city because it affects everything? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, and we tried to define it, whether it's ease of access or you know, environmental impacts, economic impacts, you know, access to services or, you know, everyday needs. It's yeah. hard to nail down. How, how did y'all grade our current mobility situation in Dallas and the surrounding area? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we're the worst off after being in um, some other cities around the U.S. You know, I think we have a pretty robust, uh, at least car infrastructure. Uh, you know, I think we all agree that our transit and other modes probably could use some work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, technology is helping us along with that, with scooters and Ubers and other things. Yeah, we just have to come to agreement on whether or not you can ride scooters on the sidewalks or not. <laughs> and when. <laughs> and when, right. right. Well, um, what was the first point that you wanted to go over that your, your group talked about? Yeah, so, so we kind of, uh, our group kind of split into each person pursuing a different passion project uh, for themselves, if you will, a different area within that mobility heading okay uh, and i'm personally passionate about walkability and non-vehicular mobility okay uh which leads a lot into our, our how does our urban core function how do how do our walkable urban areas work do they work now uh i think right now we're, we're really lacking in walkable neighborhoods so uh, hold, hold on one second so sure. this all started we're in December of 2020 recording this podcast, and this all started, this this project started pre-COVID, right? Pre-COVID. Yeah. yeah. So um, you're attacking it, your thought process on how to attack this was a pre-COVID mindset. So we'll just put that out there. Sure. Some things sure. could change with COVID, and some people think we're going to have a vaccine and we're all back to normal, and some people think we may not ever be fully back to normal there's a new normal yeah we'll leave all that aside let's just talk about kind of an ideal situation and assume that uh, we can be back to a a pre-covid thing with a vaccine taking care of us so that that's is that okay that's a foundational yeah, that, that's position a, that's a fair statement okay for sure. all right so you were looking at walkability what else what else yeah about I, that? I just think like as our city continues to densify and we're you know very young as a city and so we're still determining who we want to be and what we want to look like. But I think we are 
densifying, at least in our urban core. Um, as, as that process continues, I think we need to decide, are we gonna continue to prioritize cars in the manner that we have in these areas? Uh, or are we gonna start to emphasize the person? Uh, and there are a lot of ramifications of that mindset switch. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I can't look around at other major metropolitan areas and see a way for, for those areas to function with the car-centric nature that we have. Uh, I look at New York, Chicago, a bunch of European cities, San Francisco, etc. I can't imagine everyone driving everywhere in those cities and what that would look like and how that would work. And you think those cities are good, or maybe they should all turn into Dallas? <laughs> I think some people would argue that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think, in my mind, we can't become the city that we want to without that level of density or, or moving in that general direction. We're never going to be New York. I understand that. Uh, but... To me, density uh, contributes to like a safe, dynamic, communal neighborhood environment uh, that we kind of have now, but I would argue not really. Okay. Uh, and so I, I personally would love to see us move that direction. So you would like to see us move more to walkability, mm -hmm. dense environment. And I think there you can you can point to the fact that walkable the, the few walkable communities that we have are so uh, unaffordable and priced out because there's such a demand for that kind of development. Okay, that's and good there's point. such a demand for that kind of community. Yeah. Uh, and so if there is that much demand that we're pricing that out uh, at that rate, then we need to build more of it, and we need to start to design our city to accommodate more. Uh, yeah, walkable, that's dense, interesting. Dense neighborhoods. That was Ryan Cope, everybody, um, <laughs> on the podcast. So, um, very good points, Ryan uh, Huntley. What are what was your passion on this project? Uh, so, my passion kind of came around as COVID was happening, um, but it was more on the digital mobility landscape, if you will. You know. Okay, so we're we're taking mobility as a concept, and you're putting digital aspects of I can be mobile via digital. Right. Uh, yeah. I, uh, a digital experience allows me to be mobile, but through digital experience. Right. If I can, you know, work from home predominantly, which not everyone can, but not only would that, you know, allow, get me off the road, put less stress on our infrastructure, but, would make us not need to necessarily expand that infrastructure. We could put that money elsewhere. It would also provide less friction for the people who don't necessarily have that ability, right? Like if you... Okay, so if people right now don't have the ability to leave their home and get to the office very easily because they're dependent upon mass transportation or... The cost of transportation of having a car is so high it's eaten abnormally into their paycheck this digital revolution the covid surge of digital is is, is a way to help that is that what you're saying in a way yes but you know a lot of people were left out in the cold when they were 
forced to stay at home because of the lack of, I guess, broadband internet infrastructure. Yeah, I think we saw early on in COVID, it was like 25% of Dallas County students didn't have broadband yeah. internet access. Yeah, and that's, that's so, I think this is interesting because without your input, I would never really have thought about um, broadband access as a mobility concept. I would have thought of it as a technology concept because we have a technology committee. Right. But it's interesting because that is really affecting a, a type of mobility. So that's something we can look at, right, and create an action plan around on how do we get – and it actually may be easier to get a huge portion of the population broadband access than it is to get them from a house in one area of town to a job in another area of town physically. So I think that's an interesting concept. Yeah, and when you think about the ROI, you know, compared to the cost of some of these major transportation infrastructure projects and ROI meaning return on investment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you know, even look at I guess the high speed rail in California, which has gone billions of dollars over its budget you know, compared to just getting internet access to people that, you know, could otherwise be making money at home, you know, it could make a big difference for, you know, a lot less money and investment from the city standpoint. Yeah, I'd love to know. So I looked into um, putting up a tower for Wi-Fi and it was five grand. Now, I don't know what the monthly is or what, but I'd love to say how big an area would that cover? And can we go spend five grand, five grand, five grand and cover an area that it might be the return on investment, Huntley, may be huge. Yeah. And, you know, you have a lot of investment right now, even on the 5G node towers, right. which a lot of these telecom companies, some of which may be pretty local are investing right now. And are they investing equally? You know, probably not. Right. As they're. So that's something to think about as a forward thinking. How do we make Dallas and North Texas a better place to live? That would be maybe something that we want to start pushing and say, let's not leave people out in the cold uh, right. on this kind of thing. Okay. What were some passions that other committee members had that you may or may not have agreed with since they're not here? <laughs> yeah, we had, we had, uh, we had, you know, we're looking at affordability uh, in our more urban areas. Affordability of living or affordability, affordability of, of transport living. of living. Yeah. Okay. Which again, is kind of a roundabout way of attacking mobility. Uh, okay. If you can live close to where you work, or yeah, uh, then, yeah. Then so you affordability have would if if, and, if where you work is a high rent for residents, then mobility is important to get you there because you can't afford to live there. But if there's a way to create more affordable housing, then you don't have to have as much strain on mobility. So one of the things I'm starting to put together here is, Huntley, I think you said it first, there's a strain on infrastructure. I don't know if you said that exact yeah. thing. It's what I heard. Um, so, Ryan, what you're saying about affordability is, you know, there, there's a strain on infrastructure. How do we look at not straining infrastructure right and then tell me if i'm wrong but i'm also thinking how do we not strain budgets personal budgets right exactly. so okay all right 
What else? Uh, we had um, another guy in the group was looking at kind of east-west uh, transit. Okay. Uh, we don't really have an opportunity for movement east-west right now. Um, We're b much better north-south than east-west. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of have to come into the urban core in order to go back out another spoke. Okay. Uh, there's really not an opportunity to go east-west. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily have to be from a rail, light rail perspective. That could be, I think he had looked at uh, kind of a high-speed bus, um, yeah. a high-frequency bus along Northwest Highway. Yeah. Running from the north end of White Rock Lake, stopping, you know, larger stops than a normal bus route would. Something right. that gets you across really quickly. So that could be White Rock Lake, North Park, Preston Center. Yeah. Yeah. Love Field. So did y'all talk at all about, about mass transit, public transit? We yeah. did. We did a little bit. I personally was hesitant to move in that direction just because I know DART is working pretty hard on their bus reroute system right now. I wanted to see how that turned out. Uh, do you think that that's a valid initiative? I do. Mm -hmm. I think there's some challenges associated with it. I mean, it, comparing what Houston was able to do with their bus routes versus what we're going to be able to do, I think it's not really a fair comparison. Houston had a, a ton of overlap in their system already. Uh, that was kind of free gains that we they could make. Uh -huh. Dart had already kind of trimmed out any free gain area, any overlap. Uh, and so now we need to determine from a bus perspective, are we going to focus on efficiency and moving people around quickly? Or are we going to focus on coverage? Uh, and there's a balance there that you have to decide uh, what's the right one. I don't know. Is yeah, a, I think that's something that we... We, we, so you said the two competing concepts were what? Efficiency. So getting so buses. Is frequency in part as part of efficiency? Yeah. Frequ uh -huh. Frequency, you have a limited number of buses. Right, right. right. And so if you put them on fewer routes, they're going to be there more often. Right. Uh, or you can spread those out and cover a larger area. So people have to walk not quite as far. Maybe it's a five-minute walk instead of a 15-minute walk. Yep. Uh, and but those buses are more spread out. So instead of every 15 minutes, it's going to come every 45 minutes or, or an hour. hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that's kind of that chicken in the egg question of, right. uh, you know, what's better, uh, efficiency, frequency versus coverage. And I think that that's a difficult uh, question to solve, you know, um, Huntley, what what were your thoughts or what some more committee thoughts on, on that issue? Well, yeah, I think transit, you know, to grow it is a much bigger investment. And to kind of dovetail into my uh, my solution that I was talking about is, you know, why are people taking the buses? If, if they have to go to work, then you can focus them more. And as well as the trains, focus them more on, you know, your employment centers, right? But if someone has to take a bus to the grocery store, then it does come down more to coverage, right? Well, you know, if the grocery store solution can be done via ordering on a mobile app or, you know, some other version of technology, then 
it makes the decision easier on where to invest and vice versa, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it is a cost thing, though. Um, I did some Amazon shopping uh, this weekend, and I was buying some disinfectant wipes. I bought them for half the price on a non-Amazon website than I did at Amazon. But Amazon's made it so easy. So it's interesting. I'm not sure Amazon prices are that always that great, but they're giving you a convenience. So the question is, is, you know, is it a good assumption, Huntley, to say, hey, with mobile apps, we don't have to get to the grocery store because we can just, you know, buy it. So there's there the think tank is for long term solutions, not today solutions. So this is bringing up some good points. There are people who don't have a credit card, so they can't buy online. There are people who are may not have a credit card, or even if they do, they need to buy at super sales, you know, and they 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 need to go to that discounter. And so Amazon may or may not be so uh, there may be, well, I found other online, so they just have to hunt and pack for the, the deal. I spent 30 minutes to buy some disinfectant wipes just because I had the time on a Thanksgiving weekend, but <laughs> I don't always have the time. So, um, but yeah, so if, if we're going to say that online shopping is a way to solve some of the mobility issues, I think we then would need to say, how do we solve the issue of people not having a credit card? or people not being able to get as cheap a deal as if they could go to, you know, around the corner deal that's got a sale or something. I don't know. But those are things. It's interesting that y'all brought that up because I wouldn't have thought of that. So, but I think that's good. I, I think that bringing in digital and online shopping into the mobility question is, is a really good idea. Yeah. And maybe if, people aren't commuting to their desk jobs across Northwest highway, you know, it does open up an opportunity to convert one to a bus lane or something. So it kind of goes both directions, but I think you kind of got down to the main mobility kind of high level conceptual question is it's all about time, right? Okay. How, how we value time, you know, it's not a big deal to take an hour and a half bus trip for $3 to the grocery store if you have the time. But if you got kids at home that, you, you know, could be investing education into or would otherwise be getting into trouble or something, then how do we, you know, what's more valuable, right? And so right. That's a good point. It's kind of that I think that's the big challenge no one wants to be sitting in traffic either right so maybe that there's a stress aspect to that but I think it's almost always boils down to I got this meeting I got to get to you know I got to get home for dinner kind right of deal. right that's a good point it's a good point Huntley. Ryan yeah I I keep coming back to this uh quote this is from Jeff Speck in his book walkable city says civic leaders and then he's talking specifically about Dallas this is a this is a national book, book about national mobility but um, talking specifically about Dallas civic leaders insist that driving remain as cheap and convenient as ever 
and new systems like Dart go hungry for riders. Why take the train when you can drive there just as quickly and park for a dollar an hour? So no one's going to take Dart if it's just as convenient to take a car. You're not going to have the mass ridership. The reason that these big metro systems are even reasonably successful is because people are, it's, it's so inconvenient to take a car. Uh, but we're trying to provide some sort of transit solution, but we're not incentivizing anybody to take it. So how do you incentivize people to take it? I think you have to stop building bigger and bigger roadways and redefine how that, how that looks. Huntley, how would the other people, you and the other people, think about that on the committee? Uh, I mean, I think that to incentivize is you need to focus on putting your, the attractions near near the hubs of the of the line, you know, versus taking the line to them. You know, kind of transit oriented development, I think, is a good way to make use of what we have today. So what I see every once in a while is people say, well, this is the way it is. And if we try to do what you just said, Huntley, that's going to be a 20-year program, and we've got to solve problems now. So let's forget about what the ideal is for the future. And so um, what I think the hope, Trek's hope for the think tank is, how do we, how do we, vision things 20, 25 years out and plan to be there because if we don't, then we keep doing today to solve the next six month problem, we're always gonna have those issues. So uh, to some extent, what I'm hearing you say is, is we need to make sure we have broadband access for a lot of people. We need to make sure that we um, are looking at walkability and that we're thinking through maybe putting the attractions near the hubs versus having the transportation go all over to every attraction that's not concentrated. Maybe I summarized incorrectly, but how'd I do? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, th I think of it as increasing the value of our current assets, you know, versus investing and in, in buying new assets, if you will, which we don't know if people even use necessarily. So I, that's how I think of it. Yeah, I, th I, I would love to see maybe a little bit of a relook at the 2045 or 2050 NCT COG mobility plan. Okay. Uh, and how that allocates transportation funding. I mean, that, that, is, that is setting the course for our transportation future for the next 25, 30 years right there. And that's already been decided. Um, and it was 99% or 99.4% of all funding went to vehicular mobility in that plan. Uh, and I could not have my numbers slightly off, but it was an extreme amount, extreme proportion. So what are you saying? I'm saying that it's way cheaper to build a high-frequency bus than it is to build a new highway or expand a highway or something like that. And it, it's much more efficient from a people movement perspective. Okay, so so I accept your premise. Mm -hmm. Whether it's right or wrong, for the purpose of this conversation, I'm accepting your premise. What do we then do? What I, then do we do? And with, that, with that funding? With the premise that there's way cheaper ways to get mobility, like high-frequency buses, than to build another highway. 
let's let's say that we accept that premise sure. and now we say what do we do go petition the cog it's kind of hard to do yeah, yeah, sure. Petition the COG, petition our city leaders, our city council should, I would think, have some say in how that funding is spent and organized. Yeah. Uh, DART, the DART board, I'm, I assume, has some say in how that funding is, that limited funding that goes towards that is spent and organized. Uh, I would love to see more of an emphasis on non-vehicular mobility. Okay, so, um, and more emphasis on non-vehicular mobility, which Huntley to some extent is what you're saying too, because you're talking about broadband internet access and how to be able to live well without having to transport yourself. Yeah, and you know, this is kind of left field kind of brainstorming level stuff, but, you know, take however many billions of dollars for that new highway that's out in the country right now. And, you know, maybe you can set up last mile accounts for people that people can use online, whether or not they have a credit card, they just need to have some sort of login, you know, coordinate with the city. And then they have a hundred bucks to take an Uber or a scooter or something to the rail station, you know. Now you get into other costs with apps and all the technology, right? But, you know, I thought of that and how really spending more money for the people that are very mobile challenged versus, you know, spending a tenth of the money that you would building a six lane highway or something out in the next level, right? It's an interesting concept. Yeah. But it's challenging that politically for that, I would th I think. What 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 do you think um is there a goal for uh transport? Is there a time frame, you know, it should not take anyone longer than x amount of time to get to their job or is that not a goal worth pursuing? I mean, we talked about a 30-minute commute, but I think that really limits the whole scope. You know, I mean, we talk about congestion in cars. You think about air quality, too. Kind of gets left in the bucket. Sometimes we're talking about new urbanism, but, you know, pollution and everything that comes with density with cars is not ideal, right? So something more environmentally friendly, for one, is that think. mass transit? If people use it, it is. Uh, Why do people not use mass transit in Dallas? It's not convenient. It's not convenient. It's not there when you need it. It's not there when you need it. I think weather challenges are unpredictable, for one. It makes it difficult to get there, last mile type stuff, like I was saying. And then... See, I, I kind of I kind of disagree with that because people live in the Northeast and all parts of the world that have way worse climates than we do, and they have no problem taking buses, trains. Well, they have bikes. wool sweaters, not cotton sweaters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. They're better equipped sometimes. Yeah. I think that's might be part of it. I mean, yeah, sure. Um, 
I tried to get my mom to wear a wool sweater over Thanksgiving, and she wouldn't do it. She's like, I like cotton sweaters. I'm like, well, you're going to be cold. <laughs> well, you know, biking has that challenge, though. It's like, I don't know if a storm's going to roll in this evening. I mean, it's better now are able to predict, but it's hard to bike in the morning, and then what do you do if a cold front comes through, you know? I think that's part of the reason why that hasn't been as widely adopted as in other more predictable areas, you know, and I think could be said of transit too. But another aspect I think is, you know, safety, which I think is like a chicken and egg situation because not enough people use it. You know, if it was widely used, it'd be more safe going back to Mass transit. Yeah, yeah. going back to Jane Jacobs' kind of idea of it. Right. Well, I think it's interesting, uh, the concepts y'all are bringing up, because I think it does say you've got to take a long-range view of what you want to accomplish. And, um, I mean, just the mere talk about affordability... um, you know, it's 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 interesting to see. Do you, do you, did you get a sense that it's better to have everything in one downtown area, or is it good to have hubs that are dense all around? I think I think having hubs is great, and it affords people the option of if you want to live in a suburban area. You can do that and still have a reasonable commute. Yeah, uh, you have you have more opportunities for that. Uh, Plano, Frisco, you know, suburban Plano and Frisco are now a viable suburban area with a fifteen minute commute to Lex- to Legacy, right? Although we're hearing a lot of complaints about people are having a thirty minute commute from the west side of the toll road to the east side of the toll road. Yep. Yep. Well, you know. Neither none of these cities have invested in alternative forms of infrastructure, so you're naturally going to be a transportation infrastructure. So you're going to be limited in your ability to grow. You know, once those uh, roads get filled, if you will. Yeah. So do you get the sense that Dallas and the region are? thinking through those kinds of issues? You know, the the broadband issue, um, I know has been something that the state, or the both the national and state government have looked at and are looking to address. I don't know how it's getting applied in the city, so I'm hopeful for that. Um, but otherwise, I think that we are more reactive as a city government when it comes to transportation things, you know? Uh, letter about my local stoplight not working is going to probably gather, garner more attention than 20-year transportation plans. Hmm. And I wish it wasn't the case, but the nature of politics may, of our, you know, how our system is set up may be more conducive to that more short-term thinking i i i think there is a a, i think there is good work being done 
Uh, I love Zoac right now is looking at the city's parking code. For people who don't know Zoac, what is Zoac? It's the Zoning Ordinance Advisory Committee. Okay. And so they report up into CPC, the City Plan Commission. Uh -huh. They make policy recommendations around the zoning ordinance. Right. Uh, right now they're looking at modifying the minimum parking requirements uh, that the city has adopted. I don't know how long ago that these were enacted. To make them higher or lower? Lower the minimums. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth on that. I don't know that uh, we're going to end up as with as extreme a change as I would love to see personally, but I think there's positive momentum that we're even looking at it. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that the market won't dictate on new development deals uh, that you need to build four spaces, uh, you know, four per thousand for an office deal. I mean, that, the market may dictate that. I don't. I don't know. But I would love to see that it's not city mandated. Well, it's a chicken and the egg thing, right? If if there's really good mass transit, and it goes really close to the office building, and it goes from the office building to places where people want to live. You don't need four per thousand. Right. So it, it's a chicken and the egg deal. And you also need inventory that you can point to as a developer to say, this doesn't have four per thousand and they are fine. We can go look at their parking garage. I can show you those tenants. I can have you talk to those tenants and those brokers and that'll be okay. But our brokers and our lenders right now are saying, I have to have that because I don't want to scare away. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, you don't lose your job if you do what everybody else has always done. And you, so um, we're uh, about to wrap up. What are some action items that you, if people listen to this podcast and want to go do something, what are some action items you would say would be good to do? I would say, you know, Really think about what your individual mobility looks like in the future and, you know, maybe challenge that, especially if you're. How would they challenge dwarf. it? Well, you know, I, you drive, you know, if you drive everywhere, think about what it would take to not, you know, maybe if, if it, that means a closer uh, transit stop or a micro mobility solution or working from home or whatever, you know, think about what that might look like and see if it's feasible, you know, and, and potentially see what the city's doing in regards to that, maybe advocate for it, depending okay. on, you know, your passion. That's good. That's good. Ryan? I think just get involved. Get involved. Get, get involved with your city council person uh, and the organization that they have behind them. I live in District 10, so uh, Councilman Magoo has all in D10 and that group. Uh, and advocacy, advocacy through that lens is uh, at least heard uh, and, and can be effective. Um, I know neighborhood associations uh, are very influential uh, with our city council and our plan commissions, and so getting involved in those organizations, those local organizations where you live, uh, is the best way to affect change and affect positive outcomes. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I would say that's the same thing. 
if there's a few people talking about great vision, then that's what's going to happen is a lot of talk. If there's a lot of people talking about great vision, then I think it's going to happen. So hopefully people will get involved and not think somebody else is going to take care of this. And um, maybe we can, 25 years from now, be looking back going, why is this such a great city? And it's, well, because people got involved in 2020. So thank you all for being involved and for being here. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. That concludes our first Trek Think Tank deep dive on mobility. I'd like to thank Scott Rorman, Ryan Koch, and Huntley Lewis for their time, insights, and spirited conversation. We'll have more from Trek Think Tank in the coming weeks, so please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.